From dystopian Burlington, Vermont, welcome to Disaffected, the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. I'm your host, Joshua Slocum. We're going to talk about the Nashville Covenant School shooter. And we can only talk about this this way thanks to podcaster Stephen Crowder, who was the only one who has released any of the so-called manifesto left by this woman earlier this year uh, to much media sturm und drang. So uh, big thanks to Stephen Crowder for doing this. It's a public service. So what you're seeing on your screen here is CCTV footage of the day of the shooting. This is right before this this young woman you see with this um, AR-style rifle uh, wearing camouflage, tactical gear. She, I think she's got a bulletproof vest on. She's going through the school. This is the Covenant Presbyterian School in Nashville, Tennessee from March 27th of earlier this year. The shooter, her name was Audrey Hale. She was 28 years old. She apparently identified as a transgender man, which sent the media into a flurry and frenzy of how to be respectful of the dead piece of shit uh, who killed all those kids. It was a quite unedifying spectacle. So again, as a recap, March 27th, 2023, this woman, 28-year-old Audrey Hale, went to the Covenant School where she had been a student when she was a schoolgirl, and she killed three children who were younger than 10. I think they might have even have been younger than nine and three adults. You see her shooting through the glass doors to get in. Now, for all of these months since this happened, the Nashville police have refused to release the manifesto. And how do we know there's a manifesto? Because they told us during the press conference the day of or the day after this happened. Um, and they've been coy and ambiguous about whether they were ever going to release it. Um, and, you know, really, they shouldn't, they, sh they shouldn't have the right to make those decisions. They, they do not have the right to withhold this information from the public. This is legitimate public interest to understand the writings left behind by this very sick woman who was, of course, rightfully killed on the spot by police, sadly, only after she'd murdered six other people. But it's a very good thing that she's dead. Uh, she had it coming. And thank God for those brave officers who saved other people from being killed. Now, why would police want to hide this manifesto? Very likely because it shows that what domestic terrorism in America actually looks like as compared to what we are told domestic terrorism looks like. We are told that it's MAGA Republicans. We're told that it's far-right extremists. We're told that it's Proud Boys and fundamentalist Christians, and it isn't. That's not what domestic terrorism looks like. Domestic terrorism for years in this country has come largely from the hard left. BLM riots, Antifa, murders, arsons, arsons of federal buildings, courthouses. Um, coming from the left, coming from anti-white, anti-straight, anti-normal malcontents on the left. But, but do, do ask yourself, and in fact, ask other people and ask this in public where people can hear you asking it. What is it that makes a police department want to hide that truth? Why would a police department be on the side of woke? They don't want this out there because it, it 
destroys the narrative. It destroys the lie that we've all been told, which is that people who have opinions like me and like Kevin, we are the domestic terrorists. But we're not, and they know it. But I still can't figure out why police organizations, which traditionally have fallen on the right side of the political spectrum in terms of the sentiments of the people who go into that line of work. It's a conservative, uh, hierarchical, safety-based profession. Why are even they on the side of hiding woke's sins? Why is the military trying to hide woke sins? Why is the military featuring transgenderism in its recruitment ads? Because they've been infiltrated. Okay. So even, and even Nashville, even the South, even Tennessee, the police department in Tennessee, there's no place in this country. You know, people say a lot, um, a lot of the commenters on the show talk about like, well, in my area, it's not like that. I live in the Midwest or I live in the South. I live in a rural area and all the things you describe on the show, people aren't like that here. And I'm, I, I recognize that and I'm glad about that, but don't let that, don't let that fool you. It's not only blue states where this stuff is happening. It's not. All right. So we're going to show you the pictures. They're apparently, I believe it's up to 27 pages of writing that make up this alleged manifesto. And what you're going to see are writings from various notebooks that Audrey Hale had. Um, I don't know that they are part of one continuous document. Um, but so we're calling them the manifesto. But, you know, they are certainly her journal writings. We're going to show them to you, and I'm going to read the contents of them to you. So let's let's do the first one. And here on the first one, if you're listening and you cannot see, there's a doodle of a gun at the top, and the big capital letter title, this is all handwritten, is Death Day. Quote, Today is the day. The day has finally come. I can't believe it's here. I don't know how I was able to get this far, but here I am. I'm a little nervous, but excited too. I've been excited for the past two weeks. There were, there were several times I could have been caught, especially back in the summer of 2021. None of this matters now. I'm almost an hour and seven minutes away. Can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. My only fear is if anything goes wrong. I'll do my best to prevent anything of the sort. And in parentheses, God let my wrath take over my anxiety. I might, it might be 10 minutes. It might be three to seven. It's going to go quick. I hope I have a high death count. Ready to die. Ha ha, Audrey. That's page one. And these apparently, um, these pages were apparently leaked by somebody uh, with access to them. Uh, to Stephen Crowder, obviously somebody who felt uh, that he was a trustworthy source to receive this. And right now, uh, the last I checked on the news, uh, several police officers have been fired already. Several others have been suspended. Um, we do not know whether they actually had anything to do with, with leaking this um, because the chief of police, John Drake, is apparently he's losing his mind. He's decompensating all over the place. He's a black man. Yes, that is relevant. Why do you think he might not be motivated to let you know that anti-white sentiment is driving this terrorism? Why might he, a black man, not be motivated to want you to know that? Oh, I know. Josh, that's racist. You know what else about John Drake, chief of police in Nashville? 
he's got a criminal son who's going to jail right now. I can't remember if it's armed robbery, but it's some violent crime. He talks a really good game, John Drake does, about mentoring the kids, making sure they have a good example. <laughs> what a joke. Page two of the manifesto on your screen now, also titled Death Day. And it is a, a timeline list. 7 a.m., get dressed. 7.05 to 8.55 a.m., get dressed. And then something unreadable with stuffed animals and possessions. 9 a.m., eat breakfast at home. 9.30 a.m., pack up special belongings in backpacks. 9.50 a.m., test knife or glass breaker, parentheses, dad's old cars. 10 a.m., leave for Royal Range. That's apparently a gun range. 10.20 a.m., gear up and set guns in trunk and get out vest with mags inside. Magazines, she means. 11.20 a.m., final videotape. Let me stop there for a second. Final videotape. Yes, that, that suggests and implies that she may have made a video uh, expressing herself. Where's that video? Why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't they mentioning that? Crowder, I hope you're on that too. All right, back to, back to the timeline. 11.30, blank. 11.35, Leave for Covenant School. 12 p.m. Arrive at Covenant. Check parking lot for security. 12.05. Arrive in designated parking spot. 12.05 to 12.10. Prepare for attack. 12. Uh, time is unreadable. Lock and load all weapons. 12.30. Open fire towards Covenant. And at the bottom, circled, Time to die, XXX. It's murder-suicide, as we knew, right? It would have been a murder-suicide. I think, I think she was very likely going to kill herself after she did this if she hadn't been shot by police, but I, I can't know that. Third page, third and final page of what we have seen so far. Again, thanks to Stephen Crowder. Uh, at the top, titled Audrey, February 3rd, 2023. Here's where we get to the meat of it. Kill those kids, exclam, exclam, exclam. Those crackers. Yes, the slur for white people, those crackers. Going to private fancy schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks. With their, and then moms is crossed out, and substituted daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. Fuck you little shits. I wish to shoot you weak ass dicks with your mop yellow hair. Wanna kill all you little crackers, exclam, exclam, exclam. Bunch of little faggots with your white privileges. Fuck you faggots. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I can't say faggot that many times and not laugh. <laughs> mm, what is that about comedy and tragedy? Mm. So people are screaming about this um, and 
there there are a couple of local local parents who are talking to the media. Uh, these are not parents whose children were killed, by the way. These self-appointed media spokespeople, they were not directly affected by by a killing. I mean, obviously, yes, their family was terrorized because their children were in school when this happens. You can absolutely understand the emotion um, behind this. But there are some people who are taking undue advantage of that. And dare I say it, narcissistically. There's one guy, I think his name is uh, uh, a Mr. Leatherwood, whose child was not killed, um, who is talking to all the media. And you should listen to him. I mean, it's the most feminine um, um, wounded bird uh, sort of viciousness. They're forcing us to relive this. They're forcing us to relive our grief. This should never have seen the light of day. He's doing this for clickbait. It shouldn't be allowed. This is disgusting. I mean, this guy is making a mawkish spectacle out of himself, and he wasn't even a family directly affected by the killing. Um, this is all nonsense. Um, this is nonsense. Even, and, and I, I believe, but I'm not certain, uh, this news is going quickly. I believe that some of the families who may have had a, a child killed have also said that they're very angry about this. They don't want to have to relive this. Um, they're in their emotions. I understand that I'm not making fun of them. I, their child was killed. I absolutely get it. But they're too far in their emotions. And we, the other grown-ups, we need to be kind to them. But they don't run us. And their emotions don't run us. And our kindness and our understanding does not extend to allowing them to tell us to shut up. It's unfortunate, but it is reality. We are grown-ups, and we're going to talk about this. The public has a legitimate right to know this. Their grief doesn't control. I know that that upsets people these days. I've watched this evolve. You know, it was how many years ago was it that I was a crime reporter working for a newspaper? Um, that was um, tw uh, late '99 to late 2002. And even in those days, I, I, I started to notice a shift. I started to notice that, that media outlets were starting to kowtow, basically, um, to crime and tragedy victims who expressed big feelings and big emotions, and they started to allow their news and editorial judgment to be influenced by that. And that is a mistake. Unfortunately, they're going to have to accept that this is this is this is going to be a public conversation. I'm very sorry for them, but it it's going to happen. We're going to talk about it. So, what's going on with Audrey Hale? Is this Cluster B? Well, <laughs> yes, yes, this is Cluster B, it, and very likely a whole lot of other things. There's much huge amounts we don't know about this woman in her life, but but there are some things that we can we can pretty confidently know looking at this. Yeah. She's deranged. Um, I don't know what mental illness, diagnosable mental illnesses she may have had, but she very obviously has the cluster B personality disorder mind. Um, which one? All of them. Who knows? Does it matter at this point? It really, it becomes academic when you get this extreme. I haven't heard anything actually about her home life. I have no idea what, what home life was like. I don't know if she had two parents in the house. I don't know how she was raised. I mean, the only thing that we do know is that it was probably at least a nominally Christian upbringing because for a time she was a child at a Presbyterian parochial school. Uh, was she on drugs? Was she on psychotropic medications? Uh, was she on testosterone? And I want to say something quickly about testosterone too. I've seen a lot of people commenting on this. It's true 
that um, testosterone, testosterone does a lot of things. So people uh, stereotype it. Um, they think it's, it's the aggression hormone. One of the things it can do is contribute to aggression, but it does a lot more in men's bodies. And women have a, a certain normal level of testosterone too, but it's much, much smaller. Uh, it's not just, well, this is testosterone. If men just didn't have so much testosterone, they want they want to be like this. It's not just aggression that it does. It regulates mood and appetite, um, sexual libido, not just aggression. But yes, if you are pumping a female full of testosterone, a very likely outcome of that is that she's going to be extraordinarily aggressive in ways that look masculine. Um, it's not the case. I'm, I, I am very sorry, feminists and feminist-adjacent women. I see you out there. I've been watching what you're saying. I know you want to blame this on testosterone because this good girl wouldn't have done nothing wrong if they hadn't given her the testosterone. That's not true. There are female killers. There are even female shooters. They are much rare because it is true that men tend to express their anger through direct violence against others more than women do. Women are indirect. And when they're violent, they're usually violent toward their children. Um, but yeah, testosterone could have uh, played a part in this. But I think that we should all be very, very angry and dissatisfied that this has been hidden from us. There, and again, there's at least 27 pages here. We have no idea what they say. As a nation, and I, I mean, I'm talking about America right now, but this could apply across Western nations right now because we're all suffering from the same sickness. We don't want to face what's wrong with us. And there's a lot wrong with us. And what's wrong with us today is not anti-black racism, it's not traditional bigotry, it's not oppression of minorities. That's not what's wrong with us, because that shit has been dead for decades in this country. There is no place on the face of the earth like the United States if you are of a minority religion, sexuality, skin color, political grouping. There is no place where you are safer or freer than the United States. And you are freer and safer to do what you want and to say what you want in public in 2023 than you ever have been at any point in history. It was always better here, but it's a free, it's a fucking free for all now. I mean, if you're a minority, you can do anything you want. It's not just that you're safe to do it. You are allowed to be abusive and violent, especially if your target is white people and straight people. You are allowed. You are praised. You're called a freedom fighter. All right. So, no, stop with the nonsense. We don't have an anti-black racism problem in this country. We have an anti-white and anti-normal racism and bigotry problem in this country. We live in an absolute fantasy land. Our culture is a fantasy. It has nothing to do with reality. Girls can become boys. Men can become women. Drugging kids, drugging children, and then literally physically with a surgeon's scalpel, mutilating their genitals is actually called loving care by doctors, by parents, and by Good Morning America. Gender-affirming care. This is love. We are in moral reversal. We're in full satanic moral inversion. We are so beaten down by our collective societal personality disorder that much of the public doesn't want this stuff released. Oh, yeah, they say, they, and you ask them, why. oh, it's out of respect for their families. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's not altruistic. That's nonsense. It's because it shows us who we are. It shows us how we've raised our children. Mm -hmm. Supply your own, not alls, okay? 
You don't need to do it. You don't need to come. I didn't raise my children this way. Stop it. Be a grown-up. This is a show for grown-ups, not children. Collectively, we are the abusive family system. We are the family members who put on a nice face outside of the house while evil festers behind closed doors in the home, except it doesn't stay behind closed doors anymore. We are all the abused children who abuse each other. We abuse our siblings to appease the psychopathic parent, and we enable them. We punish our, our siblings for snitching and making daddy mad enough to hit us again because we can't bring ourselves to acknowledge who the real villains are. And they are us. We are that abusive family. Come back after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. I'm sorry I'm already laughing because the favorite part of the show is coming up. <laughs> it, it's been a, it's it's been heavy and hard past couple of episodes. Um and I've gotten close to going full Crawford. So I want to lighten this up a little bit for you. Um this this video, we're gonna watch this video in stages. And this woman that you're about to see does the voice um, better than I do. And if you're new to Disaffected, thank you. Uh, thank you. A lot of you have said that you uh, you saw me on Brett Weinstein's Dark Horse, uh, which I am also a fan of, not just when I'm on. <laughs> uh, but if you're new to Disaffected, there's a thing that I do sometimes called The Voice. Um, It'll become obvious to you as we do it. So this is a drunk driving traffic stop. I do not know what city or state it occurred in, um, but let's uh, let's let's do the first clip, Kevin, please. What's going on? Nothing. Why are you driving in the wrong way of traffic? No, I just got changed around. I just moved here like two months ago. Okay. I just got changed around. Okay. Do you understand what's going on though? Yes. You're going into oncoming yes. traffic. I know, and I just decided that it was better just to turn around really quick. Oh, okay. I just got here a couple of months ago and I turned around. Um, <laughs> this generation, this woman, and I don't know, she looks to me, she could be anywhere from 20 to, I don't know, 25, 26 years old. Um, 
this generation, she's being pulled over for, you'll see, I mean, I, I guess, spoiler alert. She's being pulled over for drunk driving and she believes that a good way to interface with this cop is to start throwing the word fuck around. Now, when I was a young man, late teenager up to about 20, I drove drunk way too many times. I should have been arrested. I could have killed somebody. But even as drunk as I was, had I been pulled over, I would not have spoken to the cop the way this woman does. And, you know, you can say, it brings me back to, to, to what people have been saying all along. Oh, they're just young kids. All kids are confused about their identity and their sexuality. No, they're not. No, that's not true. That's not a feature of being a kid. That's a feature of being millennial or Gen Z. It's a feature of late stage declining Western society. It is not a property of adolescence in humans. It's normal. They all want to rebel. Let's just let them have their hair dye and special words, right? Because, and their pronouns, because they're going to grow out of it. And they won't get away with this when they're, when they're adults. The real grownups will show them what the world is like. They'll stop when they move out of the house. Well, no, they won't. And they're not. And you'll see that not only in this segment, but in the one we do uh, to close the show. This is a three and a half minute encounter with this drunk young woman, and she speaks in the actual voice. And what 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 is the voice? Well, it's 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 there's a couple different versions, but it's basically an updated version of Valley Girl that we all knew starting in the '80s, combined with upspeak, the rising intonation at the end of a sentence. No, uh, let me do it. Let me pronounce it the way that. Let me mispronounce it the way they do. The rising intonation at the end of a sentence. Goddamn glottal stops all over the place these days. I need a fly swatter for all of them. Um, like everything is a question. And it's, 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 it's a choice. This is a choice. It's an affectation. It's not just how my voice is. It's used, so the person uses it to seem innocent, cute, and childlike, and therefore incapable of having done a bad that's why they do it. It's manipulation. In reality, it's female-style manipulation. We, we see a lot of men using it now, too. We didn't used to see that. That's a, that's a feature of very modern America. Um, it's often used by aggressive, narcissistic, and manipulative people to appear harmless so that they can get away with the lies that they want to tell you. Um, anyway, let's go on to the next clip. Okay. But I'm sorry. I just have like really bad social anxiety and stuff. I get you. I don't want to step out whenever you're asking for stuff. Okay. Well, we're past that. Just go ahead and step out. As an indigenous person. I'm an indigenous person. Right back here, please. Miss Perry? Am I? Well, I'm non-binary, so. Okay. What do you go by? Kai. How can I refer to you tonight? Kai? Kai? Okay. Hey, I'm smelling alcohol. I know. How much have you consumed tonight? Like, probably three drinks. I need to run you through some tests right now. Stand facing me, please. But I just want you to know that I also have very bad social anxiety. You and me both. Okay. Okay. Any recent head trauma, traumatic brain injuries, anything I need to know about? Uh, mental, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you recently had trauma of an injury. Mental, yes. Uh, bitch, we can see that. 
I just want you to know that I have really bad social anxiety and stuff. That's my favorite part, the and stuff. She does and stuff twice. I don't want to step out and stuff. <laughs> really? Really? Kai. I mean, non-binary. She's correcting. She's correcting a police officer. She's drunk, okay? She's drunk, and that means she's going to jail. That's a fe DUI is a felony. And she's correcting him on her bloody pronouns. This is how, it's not just that she's drunk. Don't, don't think that. I already, I hear it I, because I anticipate every objection, even the ones you don't make. <laughs> no, it is, she's not only saying this because she's drunk. That is not, that's not how this works. In vino veritas. She's expressing things that are in her mind. Her, her inhibitions are gone, obviously, because of the alcohol. But she has, there's no sensible her underneath that. The her that's coming out is the real her. Um, I love this cop, though. He's like, I don't want to get out and stuff. He's like, okay, we're past that. That's right. You're not talking to one of these feminized fops um, who are the men in your life, sweetheart. You're talking to a real man with a badge. I'm an indigenous person. Oh, really? And he says, Miss Perry. I'm not Perry. And <laughs> this is a really good lesson. You should go back and, and rewind this and watch it a couple times to look for the techniques that she's using. Uh, and this is these are very conscious techniques. Um, and she's tripping herself up. The cop says, I'm smelling alcohol. She goes, no, no. And he's, he says, how much have you had to drink? Probably three drinks. But didn't you just say, no. <laughs> a very bad social anxiety. Look at her face. Look how she holds herself. Look at the way she moves. And not just the drunken part. I mean, the, you know, the, it's fawning behavior. Um, next clip, please. Focus on my finger, please. I am. You're just like trying to intimidate me. I don't know how I'm trying to do that. This is the test. As you know, as an indigenous person and there's a bunch of going around, I'm sorry, but it's just for me to be on my toes. I get you. Can you remember that I told you that I'm non-binary? Yeah, I'll try my hardest. I'll refer to you as Kai, right? Yes. Perfect. I need to know if you have any injuries or anything that would prevent you from doing a standard walk or a turn tonight. Mental health. Um, <laughs> any physical injuries? Mental, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying. Okay. Mental, PTSD, depression, anxiety. I get you. What else you want? Now with your right foot, place it in front of your left in a heel-to-toe touching manner with your arms by your side, just like this, ma'am. Not call me ma'am, please. I'm trying my hardest. Okay, well. Okay. It means a lot to me. I'm trying my hardest. I don't feel like a ma'am, so. Okay. It's kind of triggering. And can you please not call me ma'am? You mean a lot to me. It's just kind of triggering. Shut your stupid bitch face, you dumb cow. It's kind of triggering, is it? Kai. Do you know how many goddamn kids like her I've known who insist on call them, calling themselves Kai? A lot of them. 
all young women. Kind of triggering, is it? Wait until you feel that cold steel bench in the jail cell. You gonna be triggered for real, Kai. Focus on my finger, please. Damn. Here's that petulant seven-year-old. This, like I said, this is fawning behavior. It's little girl fawning behavior. It's the wounded bird camouflage. She's trying to make herself appear innocent, doe-like, and compliant. Although, she, but she's not complying, is she? She's not. She's she's. Well, you'll see. She's none of these things. She says, "You're just trying to intimidate me." As an indigenous person, did you remember I told you I'm non-binary? Don't you just... Don't you just... We're already going to get thrown off YouTube for this episode. Um, so, I don't know if you caught this, but, but when he says, um, do you have any physical injuries? She's like, mental, yes. And then she lists them off. PTSD, depression, anxiety, what else? That's a literal quote. PTSD, depression, anxiety, and what else? I can tell you what else. It's called Cluster B. Can you not call me ma'am, please? The unreal chutzpah this woman has. They really, this generation really does think that they can order their superiors around. And he is her superior in this context. There is a hierarchy in this context. He is giving orders, not her. If that were me, he would be my superior. It's not man-woman thing. She's, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. It might be in the next clip. Um, let, well, let's just roll that clip and then we'll see if it's there, won't we? Right foot in front of your left. Nope, go back. I'm sorry, but the whole man thing, just like... This I whole apologize. man thing. Let's see if we can move Sorry. forward from it. You have zero questions? No, but I just want to tell you that I suffer from really bad anxiety, especially uh, with generational trauma and PTSD around white people and cops. Like, it's just... Uh, I'm going to speak with you right over here, okay? No. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead and place your hands behind your back. Don't, dude. Don't make don't, it hard. Please. Don't make it hard. No, don't. you're... You're going to get a resist. Dude, I... You're going to get a resist. I okay? don't. Don't resist. Don't. Listen to me. Don't resist. Don't. You're being Come a here. white man and... Come here. Don't. I followed all of your shit. Like, I'm an indigenous person. Like, you guys. You guys are scaring me. There's nothing to be afraid of. What a pathetic display. So if you couldn't hear clearly what she said, I've, I'll, I'll read it for you. Cop says, I need to speak with you right over here. No. Notice that? We did that last week. Somebody pointed that out to me. Remember that, that pretty guy last week who was like, jam, truly outrageous. He's like, look. And she's like, no. What is that? Don't, dude. Don't. She's calling him dude. He's telling her he's going to arrest her. Don't, dude. You're being a white man at me. She said, you're being a white man at me. I followed all of your shit. No, you didn't. You foul-mouthed little harridan. Like, fuck you guys. 
Kevin, we should make her a show mascot. If we can get a picture of her face, we should give her a character name. She should pop up as part of segments. This is just too good. Um, so that's the laughy part. But let's there's a serious part to this. Because that's how we roll on Disaffected. And we're rolling. Ooh, rolling, yeah. All right. There is a young, well, she's not as young anymore. She's probably close to 30 now. Um, there is a, a young member of my extended family, a young woman, known her since she was a baby and a little girl, who is officially, by a mental institution, a diagnosed borderline and, and, and diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, which people colloquially call sociopathy, sometimes psychopathy. In fact, the quote out of the doctor's mouth to this young woman's parent was, I'm sorry to tell you, but your daughter is a sociopath. I have known this little girl since she was born. I watched her grow up. From as young as about seven years old, I was getting creepy feelings around her. When she showed apparent affection, it didn't seem real. It seemed put on. It, it seemed transactional. She spoke in a baby voice, an affected baby voice, even as she got older, whenever she wanted something, just like this girl. And she had an excuse for everything, why she couldn't complete her chores, why she didn't do her homework, why she couldn't get a job, why this, why this, why this. And as she got older, this young woman, she became a trans man. Her best friend was Kai. So this young woman, every once in a while, I, you know, she's a family member. Um, every once in a while, I peek over and see if I can take a look at her Facebook page, see what she's up to. Well, uh, last year, she was all over her Facebook page being a trans man. Glowering at the camera like this, looking up from under her eyebrows. With a painted on beard and mustache, a literal makeup paint. Uh, trying to look hard. Gave herself a, a traditional Italian man's first name. No one in our family has contact with this young woman, except if I, my spying is correct sporadically, um, my mother of all people. Um, no one in, in the family has contact with her because she is dangerous. Yes, it's very hard on her parents. It's torture on her parents, but she's dangerous. She's not allowed in anyone's house. And she's never allowed around any of the children in our family because we are worried that she will kill them. And we are right to be worried about it. She reminds me in some ways of the Nashville shooter, Audrey Hale. And she reminds me in some ways of this young woman who's trying to woke her way out of a drunk driving charge. The combination of borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder slash sociopathy is more common among females than you might think. Men tend to go hard into the sociopath mode. There are some men who are, there are borderline men. There are also men who are borderline who can have these secondary uh, uh, sociopathic traits, but it's a lot more common among young women. This, this combination of, of being an unstable and emotionally overactivated borderline along with um, homicidal 
impulses, stealing, parasitic lifestyle, breaking the law. Um, but it, it, it looks different from what we expect because these women, these cluster B women who have uh, both of these sort of facets of it, they are capable of a broader emotional range than most sociopaths. Most sociopaths, they don't really experience, well, they don't have empathy, so they don't really feel altruism or they don't take pleasure in other people um, being happy. Uh, but but the borderline parts of them gives them a wider emotional range. I mean, borderlines, they're not all exactly the same, but but they they don't completely lack empathy like sociopaths do. They are capable of experiencing most of the hum most of the range of human emotions it's that their access to it consistently is severely compromised um these people are chameleons they change color on a dime to fit whatever context they're in whatever they think they think is going to get them what they want in the moment that is the face that they will put on um and they are extraordinarily dangerous i mean it's it's obvious that cluster b personality disorders run in my family um and they run in some of your families too, I know from talking to some of you in the audience. And for what it's worth, if if this is you, I understand the depth of your sorrow about this. I do. It's very difficult. Um, and I'm sorry that it has to be this way. Now let's let's talk about dystopian Burlington, Vermont. You know, not only as Americans, not only have we been in denial about our failures as parents and as teachers and as caregivers, but we stay in denial about how bad the situation is even after these kids have grown up. Even when the darling little children reach the age of adulthood and they run around doing drugs and thieving and assaulting people, we still don't want to actually do anything about it. So here's here's a local interest story, but I want to say something about this because a couple of um, a couple of people uh, said recently, "Oh, well, it seems like you're doing a lot of local interest stuff." Um, I'm going to ask you to think about it differently. This is not local interest. This is not the equivalent of a local paper that only produces local content that's only of interest to hyperlocal people. Think of it this way instead: we are bringing you stories from a city that I am familiar with and that I work in that is an exemplar. This is an example of what is going on in Democrat-run, woke blue cities around the country. Take this and extrapolate from it. You hear a lot about San Francisco and the human feces on the sidewalks. I'm using this small city of 40,000 people to illustrate for you how widespread this is and what it may look like in Democrat and woke blue small towns that you haven't heard of. It's 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 extensive. Um, so, you know, think of it as a case study. It's a vignette that illustrates a larger problem. Um, here's a meme that's been going around. Uh, you see it on your screen. It's two pictures, a picture of uh, Detroit, which literally looks war torn. Uh, buildings in collapse, trash everywhere, uh, next to a picture of uh, the beautiful downtown Burlington Church Street, which is a cobblestone pedestrian promenade down a, a 19th century Victorian uh, storefront Main Street. Uh, and the meme says, Democrat-run Detroit, Michigan, then it switches to Democrat-run Burlington, Vermont. And the people who've been posting this on social media say, what are the Democrats doing in Burlington that the Democrats in Detroit aren't doing? Well, unfortunately, this is, it's not their fault. People don't know this. They haven't been here. Uh, it's not true. This is misleading. Over the past three years, Burlington has become a miniature version of San Francisco. It does not look like what you see on your screen there now. 
And my friend Christopher Aaron Felker, who's the local uh, chairman of the Burlington Republican Party, has documented this on video. The needles, the syringes, the human feces on the ground, on the sidewalks and the grass, the homeless encampments and tents that are set up in what were just a year ago middle-class, well-kept um, suburban-style neighborhoods. They were nice just a year or two ago. They're not nice now. So look at that picture. Look at that picture of um, Burlington. And imagine me walking to uh, walking off to the left, and, and that'll be the place that I'm going to talk about in this uh, anecdote. So two weeks ago, I was on that street. I was in downtown Burlington, and I went on to one of the si – Bank Street, as a matter of fact, um, because I had to go to the bank. I needed cash, and I went to two ATMs uh, within vestibules in, in larger buildings, the kind that you have to slide your card in, um, off Church Street. Well, homeless drug addicts had taken over both of the locked vestibules, completely took it over. They had sleeping rolls, uh, cushions, four, five, or six of them. In another one, I counted nine people. I tried two of them. I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to be like, oh, excuse me, can I get past you so I can use the cash machine? I mean, obviously, I'm not going to do that because they're going to bean me and take my cash, aren't they? Um, nobody does anything about this. This was Key Bank and NBT Bank. So Key Bank and NBT Bank, I have a direct question for you. Why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing your customers to be scared away by scumbags? You know what? In one of them, they were smoking meth or crack. I couldn't tell which one it was, but no, 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 no. It was not weed. It was not marijuana. I know marijuana very well. I smoke it every night before I go to bed to go to sleep. They were smoking weed or crack. 1 p.m. in broad daylight. Uh, I'm sorry. Kevin's just yelling in my ear. He corrected me. Thank you, Kevin. They were smoking meth or crack, not weed. See, I can't even keep up with my own thoughts here. Um, in broad daylight at 1 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. I have been coming to downtown Burlington for uh, two and three quarters years now, every week, at least once a week, sometimes twice to make this show. In the entire time, every single time I've been down here, because we're right around the corner from Church Street that you just saw in that picture, I have not seen one beat cop ever. I have never seen a single police officer in downtown Burlington, ever. Why? Why? You know, it's not safe there anymore. All the sales at the high-end retailers down there, the cutesy Portlandia-style stores, and yes, that is what it's like. It's absolutely what it's like. The sales are through the floor and the business owners are upset. So what to do? Well, from our local NBC5 affiliate, we have this story. Burlington City Council approves $100,000 in funding to make downtown safer for businesses. Uh, and the subheader is Burlington City Councilors are proposing financial support for businesses that lost customers due to safety concerns downtown. Notice the phrasing safety concerns. Hold the word concerns in your mind because we're talking about perceptions. You know, people just don't feel from the story on monday burlington city councilors approved the authorization of a hundred thousand dollars and support fund to make downtown safer especially for local businesses impacted by crime then it talks about the vote on the city council fifty thousand dollars will come from arpa 
funds, and the rest will be matched by the Palmerwell Family Foundation. I'm breaking in. ARPA stands for the American Rescue Plan Act, Joe Biden's um, answer to, well, we done fucked up the economy by the fake pandemic that we foisted on everybody and shut all these businesses down. And now we're going to take a little bit more taxpayer money and make them think that we're helping them out of the situation we created. The Pomerleau Family Foundation is a, a local real estate empire. Back to the story. The proposal came in response to increasing concerns from downtown business leaders about crime, especially in the Church Street marketplace. According to the Office of Business and Workforce Development, changes to the state's motel voucher program in June, coupled with a nationwide drug crisis, have had a negative impact on commercial activity in Burlington. Some businesses have reported having to reduce hours or change store models because of public drug use, retail theft, and safety concerns expressed by employees who walk to their cars at night. Okay, so what will they do with this $100,000? Quote, the funding will go toward a two-pronged approach to help support local businesses. One portion will go to, quote, better lighting and security project to help employees feel safe walking to their cars at night. The Office of Business and Workforce Development hopes this will help store owners retain workers and stay open longer. Okay, better lighting. What kind of security? What does security mean? I don't hear any plans to do this, but how about hiring some beat cops? Would, would that fit the security project? Hello, anyone? Okay. But better lighting will help employees feel safer. They'll perceive that they're safer. <laughs> what will the other $50,000 do? Quote, the other portion will help fund a Love Burlington campaign to encourage shoppers to support local business during the holiday season. That's the other, that's the other iteration of the voice. A Love Burlington campaign, a PR campaign, like I Love New York, window dressing to help with feelings and concerns. These are not serious people. Shockingly, even the woke churches downtown, and I note they are all female pastored, all of them, they are starting to wake up. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, actually, I'm just going to say it. I am saying that if you've got a liberal Protestant church under the leadership of a woman, you almost certainly have a covert narcissist manipulator as a pastor because the churches all go full woke immediately under her shepherdship. Every one of these downtown churches has rainbow, queer pride, and BLM stickers on their message boards. Barely see a quote from the gospel. Local story. Burlington Church draws the line on abuse on its property. Homeless and drug users frustrate church. I'll read to you from the story. As homelessness and drug abuse continue to push Burlington residents to the breaking point, a church that has long offered refuge to the most vulnerable is now saying no more. Reverend Elisa Yonk is the lead minister at the First Congregational Church of Burlington. We joined her Wednesday on her daily cleanup around the church's Winooski Avenue property, picking up garbage and needles. 
<clears throat> and here's an exchange between the reporter and Reverend Young. The reporter, did you think when you took this job, you'd be on your hands and knees picking up trash like this? Reverend Yonk, no, that's not what I anticipated. I mean, I worked in downtown Boston, and this is 100 times worse. The story continues, and by worse, she means open drinking, drug use, and camping on the church steps. Quote, most church jobs tend to be more, you know, community breakfasts or worship studies or worship preparation and things like that. I'm doing a lot of, an awful lot of direct service aid, Yonk said. Quote, a lot of that aid includes helping give medical supplies to those who are bleeding on church property due to drug use or pointing them to other resources. Quote, we welcome all people, not all behaviors, but there are things we can't control, Yonk said. Next quote, it has gotten to a point where the church that welcomes all for its services is kicking some people off its property. Quote, we do no, a no trespass after a certain number of times. I think she means uh, they, they, ask, they ask for a no trespass order against certain people. We do no trespass after a certain number of times that we see you. And it's heartbreaking for us and heartbreaking for them because we are telling people they can't stay here with nowhere else to be. End quote. Well, this is what pastors like Elise Yonk wanted. This is what their churches have encouraged and voted for. Be open and affirming to everyone, everywhere, all the time. Don't ever say no or you're a cruel capitalist. Don't ever arrest violent black people or you're a racist Ku Klux Klan grand wizard. Well, now that the pieces of shit are shooting up on your steps and taking a dump on them, Looks different, doesn't it, Elise? Suffer. Suffer. I hope every one of these businesses and every one of these churches goes belly up. I hope they go bankrupt. I hope they have to let go of all their staff and shutter their front doors. No, not because I'm mean. But because it is right, salutary, and just for all people to experience the consequences that they ask for. This is just. It has to be this way. And like alcoholics, these progressives have to hit absolute rock bottom. They have to hurt, they have to suffer pain, and they have to feel fear in order to change. I know because I had to do all these things, not only as an alcoholic, and I, and I did have to suffer that way, but also as somebody who spent the first 41 years of his life brainwashed I had to suffer and pay intensely for everything that I had denied and put off for the prior 41 years and it hurt it hurt worse than anything in my life it was the best thing that ever happened to me so I don't wish this for these people out of cruelty I have I have petty mean thoughts about them absolutely yeah I'd like to see them I'd like to see them frustrated but on a deeper level, I want this for them so that things will get better. I want to see this whole thing collapse so that we can rebuild. We'll see you after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. 
we put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. When we think of the sexual abuse of children, we usually think of the man in the house and usually the stepfather. The presence of a stepfather or a boyfriend in a house is the single biggest predictor of physical or sexual abuse against the children statistically. But we focus, societally, we tend to focus mainly, uh, there are some exceptions, but mainly on the sexual abuse of girl children by men. We don't like to talk about the female and maternal sexual abuse of boy children nearly as much, especially if we're feminists. Well, there's a lot of it. I don't know how much there is, but there's an awful lot more than we thought there was. That's very clear. Watch our back catalog. You see stuff happening in public with female teachers now that you thought didn't exist. You thought that never happened, that women aren't like that. Women are like that. Some women are like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And some others are like that, too. I've known that for a long time. People still don't want to believe it. You won't hear about it usually because it's not part of the approved narrative. And with mothers, it's less often direct sexual molestation. That's not that's that is fairly uncommon among women. It's more often wildly inappropriate sexual boundary breaking behavior with children. Zero boundaries about sexual matters. No modesty. No sense of privacy or decency. We're going to show you a clip here and I'm going to alert you. You are going to see full frontal nudity here and not the pretty kind. Okay. Um, So this is depth. I mean, listeners, viewers, you know this, but it's going to make me feel better to say it. Your children should never be watching or listening to this show. You should not be playing this show in front of your children. It's not appropriate. But this is absolutely not appropriate. If you've got kids in the room, get them out of here now. Okay, let's roll the clip. What you're seeing, listeners, is a naked woman with blue hair, a mother in her living room, sitting there with her legs spread with her boy child. Okay. Honey, you're gonna need to scoot back. Look at what my kids got me for Transparent Day. This is cool. This even got my name on it. Let it be hard to protect the soft and warm. Fuzzy blanket. Dirty sow. Look at what my kids got me for Transparents Day. It's even got my name. If you were only listening and not watching, she's got blue hair, cat glasses, she's fat, she's fully naked. Pussy's hanging out. She's sitting spread-legged. Her tits are hanging out. 
her little boy is coming over and touching her. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. Then she gets up and spreads out a huge blanket in the baby blue and baby pink trans colors to talk about what her kids got her for Transparents Day. Her name is Marie Willa. Local cops, Child Protective Services, Marie Willa. Where are you? Where are you? Is this cluster B? Oh, absolutely, it's cluster B. Likely borderline personality disorder. It's more extreme than what happened in my house, but it is familiar. It is within the same subject area, as we might say. Look at her little boy running over to touch her. This is, he's being trained that this is normal. It's normal for your mother to walk around the house naked like this. That boy is being sexually abused. His mental relationship to sexuality, to boundaries, to love, to affection is going to be pathological and it is going to require therapeutic intervention, which he likely will not get. His mother is parading herself around for the explicit purpose of being sexual in front of her child and specifically in front of her boy child. And that useless piece of shit full-grown man sitting there should be putting an end to this. But of course, he's a useless piece of shit. Why wouldn't he be? Who else can she get? Look at her. She's disgusting. I have distinct memories of my mother's naked body. That means that she was walking around naked after I was old enough to form permanent memories, which also means that she was walking around naked too late in our relationship, when I was too old, when that should have stopped. It's normal for parents to bathe with their, their babies and toddlers and all that sort of stuff. There's nothing creepy about that. But it, it, what my mother did, even, even still, was not this brazen. It was walking out of the bathroom naked after a shower. It was dressing after the shower in her room with the door open, issuing orders to the kids or asking me to come over and talk to her. I should not have clear visual memories of my mother's pubic hair and vulva and breasts, but I do. Welcome to Borderline. My mother never directly sexually molested me. I was not sexually molested by any adults as a child. But what she did was absolutely part of an incest-tinged relationship with her firstborn son, including the insistence that I kiss her on the lips, even into my 40s. It didn't feel right because it wasn't right in that context. There was nothing normal about that in my family. This is sexual abuse, and it's much more common from borderline mothers to their sons than most of us want to admit. Now... We've talked many times before about what's wrong with millennials and Gen Z, and we're going to continue talking about it. <laughs> and to those of you who are in those generations who watch this show, I'll actually give you the not all. I appreciate you. I really do. I, I, let's see, it sounds so stupid, but it's true. I have friends who are, who are millennials. I have friends and colleagues, people I work with, people I trust. Um, <laughs> they're adults, though. They're full adults. And, and I know from talking to them and I know from some of the comments that you people in those generations are in have said back to me how out of place you feel in your own generation because you too are regular grown-up adults like you're supposed to be. 
and you don't feel like you can relate to your generation. So I, I feel you. I, we, you, we, you and I, I uh, even if I'm 20 years older than you, we're more peers than you are to a lot of the superannuated kids that make up your generation. Um, but one of the things that has been very frustrating um, in the sideline work that I've done over the past few years, I work with a lot of writers. I've done copy editing. I've, I've done some writing myself. I've worked in writer's pools. And I got to tell you, have you tried hiring Gen Z people? It is. It's, it's, it's very frustrating. It is very difficult to find competent workers from that generation. Not only are they often, and, and, and even including people who advertise themselves online as copywriters or as editors or as fiction writers or whatever it is, they are functionally illiterate. What they produce is not writing, and it certainly hasn't been edited. I mean, we're talking, they can't do simple subject-verb agreement. They use sentence fragments that don't have a clearly identifiable subject. You don't know who is performing the action. You don't know what the target of the, of the action is, and it does not register with them. They think they've given you sensible writing. It is amazing. And try criticizing them. Try, try doing it gently. Try doing it sternly. Try saying, I want to help you bring you up to a higher level here because this is not acceptable. You have to walk on eggshells with these kids because they will either, many of them will, they'll get emotional, men and women. They'll get emotional as, as if you had overstepped your role as, as, as their, you know, as their editor or their writing partner or whoever you are to them. Um, I've never seen anything like it. It would never have occurred to me to act that way. They don't know how incompetent they are. They really don't. And they haven't been given the tools to hear it either. They've been failed by every adult in their lives. Let's listen to what personal finance advisor Dave Ramsey um, has to say about Gen Z workers. Well, I'm not sure exactly what to think about this article, but... You and I will go through this together. WTOP.com reporting, frustrated by Gen Z office workers, companies are turning to etiquette training. Nearly half of companies are now using office etiquette training in an and an additional 18% plan to by the end of next year. That would be 68% according to a recent survey of HR managers. While most doing so are offering the training to all employees, the need has been brought to the front burner by managers' frustration with Gen Z employees and college graduates entering the professional workforce. Managers have called those youngest of workers the most difficult to work with because of poor communication skills and lack of of much, if any, prior exposure to the workplace environment and what is and isn't acceptable. But etiquette's just classist, fancy manner fetishism, isn't it? We don't need that. It's so old. So half of companies, half of companies are using remedial etiquette training for fully grown adults. That's extraordinary. Great job, parents. Great job, Gen X. My peers. Great job. Come on. We have let the children down. You have let your children down. And you've inflicted them on us. This is what I've been talking about as I tell my grocery store tales, my tales of being out on the road. 
dead-eyed, sullen employees. They won't look at you. They won't return your spoken greeting. They won't say please or thank you. You, you know what I got the other? You guys, a lot of you will have had this. Um, this, it takes, a, it takes self-control for me not to actually yell um, in public when this happens. Handing cash to a cashier. This is what she does. Yeah, I was like, blah, 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 blah. Unreal levels of rudeness. That, that, that would have been a firing offense. So, um, I'm sorry. I'm playing around with some cables here because um, we have some sound problems. And this is the right spot. Um, Kevin, this, this connector and this cable, you asked me to remind you, so I'm reminding you in the show. Will you please ship this to my house, bitch, so I can hear you? Thank you. <laughs> All right. I think I can hear, I can hear in my ear again now. Screw it. I'm just going to put it up here. You can't move it around or, or else the whole thing goes away. Um, one more clip from Dave Ramsey. What I'm what I'm saying is, is yes, this might be a problem with some portions of Gen Z, because honestly, they've been raised with a magic wand in their hand and they do all of their communication on this magic wand and they push a button and crap shows up on your front porch. And we don't have this and we have the power of the entire world in our palm. We have all of the world's knowledge in our palm. And so they're and this is native to the way they think and act. And so. Uh, this is a generation that wasn't taught to look someone in the eye if you're going to break up after dating for six months. Instead, they send a text. If you break up by text, you are relationally stunted. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. So, But that's the problem. So, now, what we find is, is that we get, by a stringent hiring process and vetting process, we call out the ones that don't have the social skills to exist in an office building with a thousand people. Yep. You know, and, and if you're listening here and you are millennial or Gen Z, it's not your fault. It's your parents' fault, but it is your responsibility. You now have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and help re-raise yourself. You shouldn't have to. It's not fair, but life isn't fair. And you get to complain about that once, and then you have to stop the whining and take responsibility. I have some advice, and I'm not even being snarky. I'm quite serious about this. It's advice that I got when I was younger, and I want to pass it along to you. I want to introduce you to somebody named Miss Manners. You see her on her screen here. I know you've never heard of her because you haven't heard of anything that happened before you were born. Miss Manners, her real name is Judith Martin. Miss Manners is her pen name. Um writes etiquette books. She's almost retired now. She's 85 years old, and her children have taken over her column uh, for the most part. Um, but until about 10 years ago when she stepped back, she was the leading etiquette columnist in this country for decades, since the late 70s. She wrote for first for the Washington Post, and then she was syndicated in hundreds of newspapers and across wire services. And she is one of the funniest and most arch prose stylists in the English language living. She's as funny as Jessica Mitford. And if you know that author, then you will understand why I like uh, Judith Martin. And I mean gut-bustingly funny. While giving actual, real, practical relationship and etiquette advice that you can use. And I know because 
I learned from her columns and I learned from her books all the things that I wasn't taught at home when I was younger because some older adults who saw my deficiencies cared enough about me to raise me up higher. So I'm going to leave you with a quotation from America's most excruciatingly correct lady. You can deny all you want that there is etiquette, and a lot of people do in everyday life. But if you behave in a way that offends people you're trying to deal with, they will stop dealing with you. There are plenty of people who say, we don't care about etiquette, but we can't stand the way so-and-so behaves and we don't want him around. Etiquette doesn't have the great sanctions that the law has, but the main sanction we do have is in not dealing with these people and isolating them. Thank you for watching. See you next week.